Hello, this is Andy Seppi and you're listening Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 51 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molly, your host. This week, we have the super nice and super talented Andreas Seppi on the podcast. Andreas has a career high ranking of 18. He has won over $10 million in prize money and has had epic wins against many of the world's best during his 18 years on the tour so far. We talk about life in the Rockies, his first baby, his most memorable matches and least memorable matches, life after tennis, tips for juniors, and much more. Before we get started, check out our new Instagram account called Functional Tennis Podcast, where you can stay updated on the latest podcast info. Congrats to Sebastian Dietrich on winning the Mansoor Barami book. Finally, shout out to our podcast sponsor's head. Okay, let's get chatting to Andreas. Hi, Andy, how are you? I'm very good, you? Great. Yeah, welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Absolute pleasure to have you on here and excited to talk to you. So tell me, how's the tennis going? You're getting a bit of practice in? Yeah, I'm still like practicing, but not uh, as much as I normally do because the yeah tournaments are still far away. So nobody knows right now when, when the tour will be back. So I'm just, you know, keeping a certain level of activity and yeah, I'm just trying to then to be ready once the tour starts again. And where about in the world are you now? Are you in Italy or in the Rockies? In in, in Italy. We got back from Colorado uh, mid-May. So also because, yeah, we had a baby in end of February, you know, and my parents and Mickey's parents, you know, they were like putting some pressure. They want to see it and everything. So, so we came back to Italy. Nice. You had a little baby girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. What's her name? Liv, L-I-V. Oh, very, very nice. And it must be so amazing. We just had our first baby nine, just nine months ago and it's totally oh, amazing. Nice. Has it changed yeah. your outlook on life? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a completely different experience. And um, in the end, you know, with all the, the problems we had with the virus and everything, I think I was anyway lucky to stay, you know, at least at home with uh, my wife and my baby for the first three months. So it was also nice to see her growing and everything. So, yeah. I'd say that is actually amazing because you guys are traveling most weeks of the year. And I'm sure uh, your wife comes with you some weeks, but not every week. So it must be great to yeah. you and your baby. And you must be getting good at the nappy changes. So, yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm pretty good, I have to say. <laughs> and tell me, who does who does the night shift? Do you split that between you? Um, no, my, my wife is still, um, like breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. So anyway, she has to wake up for her, but it was just the first, first month because uh, she was really tiny. So it was just 2.2 kilos. So we had to wake her up uh, every three hours to feed her. And, but from the first month on, actually she's, she's sleeping like the whole night. So eight, nine hours. So actually we are pretty, pretty lucky with that. That is pretty good. Our guy gets up still. He's up all the night, all the time. And breastfeeding was great for the first six months. And then it changed a little bit. But no, that's, I wish you all the best with little Liv. Oh, that's you. very exciting. 
And a quick, we I was speaking to Rowan Bopana yesterday and I was like, oh, any questions for Andy? And he was saying when you're in the Rockies, you were, he goes, ask him how training was with Scott Davidoff. I mean, he was there coaching, I think, the college team for several years. So he he spent some time there also um, during the tour. And now just, yeah, during uh, the COVID, uh, he was there for, for a week and we catched up uh, actually once on the practice court. So, yeah, it was nice, you know, seeing him there also. Great. Well, I'm sure Rowan listens to this, I'm sure. So he'll hear this here. So you're from, you're from the, the Dolomites region in Italy. It's yeah. close to the Austrian border. And do you consider yourself fully Italian or is there a bit of mix? Um, no, I would say, I mean, I consider myself as fully Italian for sure. But um, of course, um, let's say, let's say I grew up with, uh, with German. So I went, uh, like say, kindergarten and elementary and mid school to German school. And then uh, actually I did the last five years uh, in Italian. So, so yeah. Let's say actually my first language at the beginning was German. So it was, yeah, it's different. <laughs> and how many languages do you speak now? Um, yeah, like, yeah, German and, and Italian and, yeah, English, let's say. I mean, I, I understand uh, Spanish and, yeah, talk a little bit, but uh, speak a little bit, but, um, yeah, not so good Spanish, yeah. And what was it like growing up? It's a mountainous area. Would it be, it would it be known for its tennis players or for its high level of tennis? Of course, like it's not like a usual place to play tennis. Let's say there are much more like winter sports here. I I did skiing also, and uh, it's a little bit maybe unusual to <laughs> to to play tennis. But yeah, like now also Yannick, you know, it's he's on tour, so it's already two in in not, <laughs> not so many years. And is Yannick from your region? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. And w when was the first time you actually practiced with Yannick? Um, I mean, I saw him uh, the first time, I think when he was 12, something like that, because a, a good friend of mine, like, sh yeah, showed me, he said, like, this guy, is, this kid is playing really good. So um, I saw him like once and then, um, and then, yeah, I think with 14, he already went to the, you know, tennis center of Ricardo Piatti and, uh, I was also there sometimes practicing with my coach. So, yeah, I saw him like, let's say, in the early stages already. And did he, was he impressive when you saw him? Even as a 12-year-old, did you say, this kid, I know it's hard to tell, but did he? Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you can see already, you know, like uh, if somebody has some some good strokes or how, how he's on court, I think you can tell a little bit. But of course, like 12 is really early. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> What do you see in a young player, be a teenager, that is there something that really sticks out that you go, okay, this guy or girl could be really good in the future? Um, yeah, I, I think um, the, the, especially the dedication and everything and how somebody wants to improve and how, how he's listening and um, trying to do, you know, the things somebody tells them so uh, and how quickly you know he can do that so i think that's you know that's very important for somebody who who you know wants to learn to be like a, a good player they got to learn quickly and not make the mistakes again and keep keep that loop exactly, yeah. going and going oh coming back to you're from that mountainous area in italy 
how come you decided to relocate over in the Rockies? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of a lot of people asking mm. me this question, and there's a, actually no logic uh, answer, <laughs> let's say, <laughs> because the I mean, Colorado is not a tennis place at all. So there is also altitude. It's like 1,500 meters. So um, it's a little bit different. And um, actually, it was just um, you know, like my wife, she was um, working there uh, one summer at the ranch because she really likes horses and everything. So she was working there. I went there a couple of times to visit her and we had like a round trip and we really liked the place. So we just decided like one off season to, to go there to rent a house for, for a month and uh, to, to play a little bit there and see how it is. And then in the end, we, we ended up buying a house nice. <laughs> already after, after months. So <laughs> oh. Yeah, and that was like end of 2017. So yeah, and now, I mean, during the year, it's, it's anyway difficult to go there because you're always on tour, but we always spend the off season there. And then, you know, sometimes during the, the US tournaments, uh, like before Indian Wells or after the US Open, sometimes we spend, yeah, we spend time there. And when you're there, do you find it easier to switch off from tennis? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's for sure. Like she, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, things to do, especially, you know, hiking or with, with a mountain bike and, uh, we, we both like nature. So, so it's for sure, uh, you know, uh, the right place t- to be for us. And, uh, yeah, we see. <laughs> are you going to be, when all this COVID nightmare is over, are you going to be bringing the parents over there? Um, actually, Mickey's parents, they have been there already. And my parents not yet, so they definitely wanna wanna come to see the place. So uh, yeah, maybe if everything uh, went well, is going well with the with the COVID, maybe end of the season or end of the year, um, they can they can join us for a bit. Nice, they do a bit of babysitting for you. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's so it can be hard to get the Italian people to travel outside of Italy sometimes. Yeah, right now for sure. Yeah, right now it's not easy now. Oh, especially now, especially now. But yeah, yeah, it must be exciting though. Living is there many Italians over, over there in Colorado? Yes. You mean yes? Um, no, no, no. Actually, not. Actually, not. I mean, I haven't, I haven't met one yet. So great. <laughs> I think they prefer more like you know, like tourist, uh, to re- yeah. more touristic destination like New York or um, Florida or LA, something like that. I think, but. Yeah, there's not not many. And one question we had from one of our listeners was, are you into the fishing at all? There's like between the Dolomites and the Rockies, fishing is meant to be really good. Um, yeah, actually, I I went already like more times in Colorado than here, I have to say. So uh, I'm, let's say I'm not really into it, but uh, when, when I have the chance sometimes uh, and, you know, I'm just... Uh, um, I'm not playing and I have some time I go but it's not like that I'm really really into it no, well yeah it's I'm the, still learning like I like fly fishing in the river so yeah I'm nice. still you know it's a hobby it's another hobby to learn yeah and we're just gonna we're gonna slowly move on to tennis here you say like Colorado and the Alps are, are very and Dolomites sorry are very high like they're high so the altitude's high it's good for the fitness when you come down to sea level has that helped your fitness because I was doing some research and obviously I've known you're always 
in a big five setter match over the years and you actually got your win percentage is 51.2% in five setters, which is, I think is pretty good record. But looking at it, you also have 43 out of 155 matches of your five setters went to five sets, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's for sure. Like, um, I mean, everybody knows uh, about the five setters. I mean, especially in the Grand Slams and always like... Uh, so um, I, I, as you said, I had I, I had many of them, and uh, and as you said, for sure the altitude uh, can help your fitness. I mean, that's the good part. Maybe living yeah. there, you know, like <laughs> for sure you feel more comfortable than on breathing, especially the breathing on on sea level. And uh, our house where we live in Colorado is two thousand five hundred meters, so yeah. it's even higher. So it's yeah, it's it's pretty high and. Uh, and you, you really, do you really feel that at sea level, you feel just the lungs just breathe freer? Uh, especially at the beginning. I mean, of course, it's, it's, I mean, when you go from high altitude to, to low, um, you can adapt quickly with the tennis. I mean, I just need a couple of days and that's fine. But with the breathing, I, I feel that I, I have for, for a couple of weeks for sure, some, some bonus, let's say. And, um, but the the difficult thing is the opposite from you know the low altitude to go to the high like yeah. also playing you need a much more time always like let's say a week or something to really adapt to that and to the breathing and so so yeah I that's, I take it as an advantage you know for sure for the fitness and especially now in with thirty six you have to be to fit to fit to compete with the young young players. True. You need any advantage you can get. You got has train changed now that you're in your mid thirties compared to your late twenties? Do you do less practice, more fitness, or more mobility, etc.? Yeah, I think I, it has uh, it has changed, and um, of course I spend less time on court. Um, before I was always hitting twice a day and having some fitness. Now, actually, I prefer hitting once, maybe, you know, a longer session, um, two hours or, or some or two and a half. And then I have more time um, the, the, half, the other half of the day to, to do fitness. And um, so I think that that changed a lot. And uh, also, of course, like with my hip problems I had the last, you know, four or five years, I I do a lot of mobility also for my shoulders. So I normally always spend like an hour before I start practicing with all my, my excess daily exercises. So, yeah. All, all this little strength work that people don't do when they're 20. All of a sudden, exactly, yeah. Change, yeah. It, I think no matter what level of sport you are, be it a professional athlete or an amateur, everybody gets to that age, their mid-30s, some earlier, some bit later, where you have to do that prehab work yeah. every time or else you're just going to fall apart. Exactly, yeah. Coming on to matches, what has been your most favourable match in your 18 years on tour now? Uh, yeah, favorite. You said. Yeah, the one that stands out the most, the one that you you're gonna tell your grandchildren. Mm, I mean, it's diff really difficult to pick just just one, you know, or, or one of them, one of the one of the but, many. Yeah, but for sure, like the, I mean, the win over Roger at the Australian Open is, I think, something special because beating him, I think, in a Grand Slam is for sure like. Yeah, very hard. Yeah, <laughs> I would very say especially, hard. Yeah, especially like um, in his yeah, in his good years or whatever. And I mean, he still has good years. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
And then, yeah, of course, I think to win over Rafa also, I mean, they are, the, I think, two of the best players in history or the two best players in history. So to, to beat to beat to have beaten them once at least um it's for sure something special yeah just uh, i think i would put like maybe a couple more the one um with varinka in rome um it was like three and a half hour match i won like seven six in a third and he had like six match points and it was just like an unreal atmosphere i never had like that atmosphere again in none of my matches, none in Davis Cup and not on tour. So it was just like a really unbelievable atmosphere on the Pietrangeli court. So just because of that, I I would say I always, you know, remember, I want to like want to remember that match. And then maybe one more match in Davis Cup against Ferrero. It was one of my first Davis Cup matches and he was like, let's say one of my my idols growing up, his game style and everything. I like. I liked it really much, a lot. And um, I won like uh, in a five setter. I think I was two sets to love down. And uh, you know, coming back and win that match, uh, it was yeah, for sure something something special. This podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. They just launched their most innovative tennis range ever. Get the new Cord FF3 Novak or Gel Resolution 9 at ASICS.com. ASICS Tennis have also just launched their new Cord FF3 Novak, the only tennis shoe designed with Novak Djokovic input. To learn more about ASICS, visit their website www.asics.com. Well, you've definitely played in a, a lot of classic matches. I see you've beaten nearly everybody, but there was one guy that stood out and this may probably lead on to my next question. The toughest loss to take. Uh, toughest loss, tough, um, loss to take, yeah. I mean, for sure one... Is against Kyrgios at the Open. It was the match after Roger. It was to go to the quarterfinals. And I was leading two sets to love. And I had one match point in the fourth set, actually. I mean, he was serving. He had served like a big first serve. And I, I mean, I was there, but I missed the return. So that was a tough loss, I would say. And um, maybe the toughest. Yeah, and then I think also... Maybe against Novak, also at Roland Garros, I was leading two sets to love, also to go to the quarterfinal, and uh, I lost in in five. I mean, it, I I didn't have a real chance, maybe, but I still was like five all in the fourth and everything. But uh, still, I was playing really good, and uh, yeah, maybe there was there I could do a little bit more, maybe, maybe to win that match. So yeah. Is- is it sometimes in those matches where you're two sets to love up and let's say you're playing Novak and it's just yeah. like it goes out of your control. You can't, you know, you Novak just raises level or whoever you're playing just raises their level and you just can't get a grip. Is that what can happen? Yeah, of, of, of course. I mean, uh, especially against those players, also two sets to love. I mean, um, the match is not over, you know, like uh, it has nothing to say. And uh, as you said, he's a, he's a great champion. And I mean, he has, he, he won so many slams and maybe he knows to, to also to, how to come back from, from those matches. But um, yeah, it was just, you know, uh, I think also a great opportunity for me. And then to beat him once because he's the, 
one of the player missing. <laughs> so, so yeah. Yes, he's the one. You're he's the one that 2021 Novak, watch out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you're going to get him. But and if you were to play, I, you don't have to give away your secrets here. But if you're playing Novak tomorrow, what would you do differently that you've done before? Is there any? I mean, it's, I think it's difficult to say because every match is, I think, different and depends on the surface and everything. And um, you know, I, I think I had some really good and close matches like against him, but I just never could do the like the you know the last step or like the um, yeah closing it out and like um, I don't know. I I think I played for sure. One of my best tennis always against him because anyway against these guys I mean you have to to, to play then anyway you you don't have anything to lose so you you go in and try you know to play aggressive and everything and I normally always play one of my best tennis especially against those guys so yeah you know I just hope to have maybe another to get another opportunity and see how how I can handle that yeah you will keep up that mobility work. And you get it. You get it. Which is your favorite slam of all four of them? Um, I really like Australia. I mean, for sure, I also I had the best results there. But I just mm. like, you know, to to go there after a good preparation, off-season preparation. So I always feel really, really good physically and, you know, confident to, to go on, on the tour again. And especially after maybe five weeks, you know, of hard practice, you can't wait, you know, to start um, playing matches again. So yeah, I always go there and 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 play my best tennis. So and yeah, also the 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 atmosphere there and the the climb the clima is nice. So you're actually in a, I think in a great city and uh, you're in the city and uh, the, the facility is just you know five minutes away, which is also comfortable for players. And they always have, you know, great, great service there. So I think it's, it's, I mean, for me, my, my favorite tournament. I've said it on the podcast before. It was, I've been down there last year and I thought it was amazing compared to the others. And they've done, Craig Tiley's yeah, done a great sure. job down there. And the players obviously seem to love it. It's great. You come off the off season. I'm sure you're just pumped to play. You want to get on court. Yeah. You've trained hard and you just want to play matches. So I can see that yeah, adds to the sure. extra, makes it a bit special. You've quite a calm personality on court. Is that trained or have you always been calm over the years? No, I've always been like that. Also from junior on and um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, from the north of Italy, you'll be a little bit more, more calm than... From, from comparing to to the south and I don't know it's then depends also from the personality and everything and my parents they were also always like pretty calm and they actually always let me decide you know what I wanted what I wanted to do which I think helped me and uh, and F Fabio Fognini he's from is it San Remo yeah San that, Remo, yeah. that would be quite north would it I yeah, know it's not what would you consider it uh, yeah it's I think it's it's more north than than south still. Yeah, and yeah, like his his temper is for sure different than mine <laughs> on court. And uh, and yeah, but I think it's it's nice to to have guys like him ah, on yeah. tour. And uh, I think it would be it would be like um, boring if you just have guys like me on tour <laughs> or just guys 
not just guys like him, you know. You so need- I think you need to have a mix of, you know, personality and that's that makes the sport interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You need your mix. But I'd say his genes are more Sicilian than Northern Italian. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. he's good. I, I like him. I like him. <laughs> And yeah, so that's, look, we quickly move on. One thing that was asked about was your racket. You use Pro Kenix. Not many players out there actually use Pro Kenix. You don't really see anybody. How how did that come about? I, I finished my year, actually, I, I think it was end of 2005. Like, it was my first year in the top 100. And... Um, I was like training in the off season and um they you know they just wanted me to, to test some rackets and then I was playing actually with the head prestige before and this one is actually the same or like pretty similar to that one so I just started you know like practicing with that racket and I really liked it and uh, from then on actually I just you know I always kept playing with with that racket and they actually have a big establishment in north of italy like just two hours from my home so you know i i knew them already when i was younger so we had um, a good you know relationship and from then on actually i, I always played with with that with that racket and actually they were pretty big i think maybe in the nine in the 90s or something yeah. like that but then actually they stopped and yeah right now also they had like Focusing more on, you know, producing rackets for club players, you know, for for the elbow with the kinetic system and everything. Mm. So they don't really, you know, go to the pro tool, let's say. Yeah, you're you're one of the few. And have you used the same racket since 2006 or have they modified it? It's, um, yeah, it's different material, but let's say the frame is still the same. They just changed some like um, material and balance a little bit and but uh but yeah i i stuck with that kind of let's say frame prestige frame i tried like to to switch a few times with the with a more like with not like bubble like with the bubble pool drive like with a bit more power one yeah but it's you know it has the advantage but then also you you don't feel so comfortable with some other things so it's i think if you play for for more than 50 15 years with, with one type of racket is really difficult to to switch. True. I'm, and your your skills are that fine-tuned that I'm sure if you get a Babolat pure arrow, all of a sudden your your game is built on consistency. And yeah. all of a sudden you start yeah, sure. spraying the back fence, which can be bad for business. And we have two more questions for you, Andy. Uh, one is, obviously you're 36 now. I know you could have many more years left, depending how you you love the game and take care of your body. Have, have you thought of after tennis, what's going to happen or have you planned any businesses? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like the, my wife's parents, they are into the like, hotel business and we have like a nice like spot in Colorado in, in the mountains there. We would like to do also something like a dude ranch, you know, and um, like maybe building some cabins and uh, yeah, have like a lodge, something like that there and um you know we we are working a little bit on that to see how how it can go and you know it's also difficult to get all the permissions and everything so um yeah we we'll see how, how yeah we we'll see how that works out and then yeah i think it's it's difficult to maybe to to coach or something because you really have to be on the way again you know every week and uh 
um, I would not like to miss, you know, like my family and my wife for so long again. So I think it's difficult to see me maybe coaching or something, but you never say never, you know. Yeah, you seem like somebody who would just be happy on his ranch in Colorado with loads of animals, loads of fresh air, loads of nature and just having the fun with your family. That's what it sounds like. Last, (laughs) Last question, Andy. We asked this to all our guests. What advice do you have for young players? Let's say you saw Yannick, 14-year-old. What did you say to him? I mean, for sure, it's um, it's uh, important or nice to be in a place where where you have already some some pro players, you know, or where you have you where you can work with people who actually work with you with some pro players and they had some success and everything. I think, of course, that that helps, you know, because you you can give them the confidence, you know, when they tell you something that that's like this, it's going to work, you know. So then, of course, you have, you know, every player is different and on every player you have to work differently. But I think to, to have a good team and everything around you, for sure, also in the early stages helps, you know, because I saw a lot of, like good Italian players maybe they 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 were really good when they were young but then maybe they they go to 18 19 years and then they try to to change the game once they're like maybe 18 or 20 or after junior no and I think it's difficult you know to to change something in your game like late big something big in your game like later you know I think if you if you do it when you're 14 15 it's it's much easier so I think that's one for sure one important thing and then um it's i think it's good also if you have some some other good kids around you because anyway you have to have some fun you know on the court and outside of the court especially at that age because if you're if you're alone then you know it can be it can be difficult you know you sometimes it's sad you know don't have like kids maybe your age around you and I think I was lucky also here when I grew up to have you know like many many kids my age or even maybe a little bit older and to you know to to do stuff also outside of the of the court so I think that can help for sure and uh, I mean in the end it's you know we know that it needs a lot of dedication, but if somebody loves the sport, then I think everything it's easier, no? And will will Liv be playing tennis in the future? I mean, it, it, <laughs> it depends on her, of course. I, I mean, uh, like, like every parent said, I don't want to. They don't want to put pressure, and you know, on what what their kids want to do. But uh, if she if she likes playing, for sure, I will I will help her, you know, um, play and. Uh, yeah. Also, if it's also, I think there is more difficult to see some tennis courts, but <laughs> you build one. You can build it on your ranch. But, be, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Andy, thank you very much for coming on. Really enjoyed that, and hopefully, thank you. Tennis gets back to normal very soon, and there's a hopefully there's a US Open for you to go out there and take down Novak. <laughs> yeah, that would be for sure a good place. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Fabio. I hope you enjoyed the chat. I certainly did. And it was great to find out more about Andy. Next week, I'll be back with an internationally renowned coach and expert who has worked with top athletes in different fields. Something a bit different, but plenty to be learned. Until then, hope you get out on the tennis court. Bye. Bye.